Hello, and welcome once again to the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homie. I'm your host, and we at the Business Creators Radio Show help you win at the game of business and marketing. As the name says, our listeners are business creators, and they fall into one or more of several different categories. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, and local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. We have the folks who help others build their businesses. And on the other side of that coin, we have the do-it-yourselfers who like to have your own hands on the marketing levers as you grow your enterprise. If you are one or more of the above, explore our episodes and discover how our experts help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, check us out on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Be sure to subscribe. Fresh content every week. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us serve more business creators just like you. So today, what we are going to talk about is how to get more clients than you can handle. Wouldn't that be great to have more clients than you can handle? And to help us with that, we have with us Todd Treseder, who is a former hedge fund manager who retired at age 35. Wouldn't that be a problem we'd all love to have? He became a financial coach to improve people's lives through greater financial intelligence and is the author of five books on personal finance. His specialty is advanced retirement planning and advanced investment strategy to build wealth. And uh, he's going to share with you a free gift called 52 Weeks of Financial Freedom, which we'll talk about towards the end of our hour here, where it's going to show you how to invest smart, build wealth, retire early, and live free. Todd, welcome aboard. Thanks for having me, Adam. It's an honor and a pleasure, and as our listeners know, not only am I the host, but I'm sitting in the audience with my pen and paper out as well, because I'm always looking for the slight edge in my own business. So, Todd, before we dive into what we have to cover today, what we like to do here at the Business Creators Radio Show is first just sort of take a step back and get to know our guests a little bit for those who may not have had a chance to research you yet. So just tell us a little bit in your own words about your story and what brought you to where you are today. Well, I... This goes back to college, actually. I don't want it's like a life story or anything. But in right. college, um, I had kind of this crazy vision of how investing would work, which was um, I have kind of a mathematical bent to me about how I look at things or sort of an engineering mindset, if you will. Right. And I was in this investments course, and I looked at the charts, and I went up to my investments professor, and I says, well, you know, I could make money off this without knowing anything about it. He said, well, nobody can do that. I said, well, I think I could. I think it's just statistics. You know, I could, I could do this mathematically. And he said, well, that's impossible. Nobody's ever – and you got to understand, he's an authority figure, right? Not only is right. he an investor, but he's, he was a very successful investor in his own right. And I just couldn't get out of my head. I thought, well, that's interesting. He says it's impossible. It looks pretty obvious to me. Um, and so I went off after college and started developing the methodology, and it worked. Um, and so I had a short stint, you know, normal career type stuff. But then I hooked up with a guy who had, was one of the early pioneers in the hedge fund business. And eventually I became a partner in the business and we developed the methodologies and they worked. And so we built a whole business off it. And we had 100% profitable years. We had one year where the investors actually lost a little tiny bit of money. Um, and that's because I had made some mistakes in the research on one of the models and it had lost a whole lot, so that caused the whole portfolio to only gain a little tiny bit that year because the other models all did well. And the net result was our expenses and our fees and stuff overwhelmed that to where the investors had a little tiny loss. But the portfolio itself was profitable 100% of the years uh, during the time we did it. So anyway, I retired, um, you know, in air quotes if you could see me, right? Retired. 
at at age 35 and everybody was asking me you know how did you do that you know and what do you do and you, again you got to step back in time like when i was developing these methodologies uh it was when computers were first just becoming coming out as pcs right sure. and before you had to program everything with punch cards you know so i'm 53 just to try to date all this right um and so you know, PCs were just coming out. None of the databases existed. You know, when I developed all this stuff, it was really cutting edge. Um, now you can just, you know, click click keys on a keyboard and do all this stuff. It took me months to figure out. But anyway, um, people were asking me, how do you do it? Well, again, set the context. This was in the go-go days of the stock boom, you know, late 1990s. And everybody thought it was about hot stock tips and hot stocks and everything. And it's not. There's, there's a lot of base principles you have to understand to build wealth. And I would just kind of get away from the conversations. I really didn't want to talk about it, you know, because it's like if somebody's coming at you asking you from one position of thinking and they're so off base that you would have to build in a whole infrastructure to their thinking to even get them on track. It's just too much work. It's just something I, I would avoid it all the time. And my wife got mad at me one time and she just said, Todd, you know, you spent this lifetime building this stuff. It totally works. All this knowledge you did worked. And you're not sharing it. You're not doing anything with it. Why don't you do something with it? And that was the beginning of Financial Mentor. And so that's how it came to be. Wow. Well, you know, uh, to date myself, I'm 38 myself. And uh, when I experienced PCs, I think my first uh, PC was in about 1993. And it was a leading edge, which is a company I haven't heard of before or since. And it had Windows 3.1. And I remember when I wanted to boot the thing up, I'd first put in a movie to watch. Um, <laughs> and... Um, when I really first started getting into the idea of the internet and everything, it was right before my sophomore year of college, and I found out that for the past year I had had this thing called an email account. So you can imagine me, I was like a kid in a candy store, it's like, ooh, let's go down to the computer lab, there I go to dating myself again, going to a computer lab, and, uh, and uh, I'm emailing the person next to me saying, hey, look at that. And then uh, there's also the early forms of instant messaging where we email each other back and forth every minute, it's like, wow, this is exciting stuff. And then I put up a website on GeoCities, which I fortunately took down. And uh, so it's amazing how far we've come in a relatively short period of time. I mean, we're talking just 20 years ago. And I have a smartphone that now does about 100 times what my first computer did. It's just absolutely amazing how we've evolved and how business evolves. Now, our listeners here at the Business Creators Radio Show know that we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. And then, Todd, I think you're going to love this question. A lot of our listeners tell me they have everything they need to implement anything that anybody tells them they need to do, except for those two timeless factors of time and money. Now, this is a question we ask everybody who appears on Business Creators Radio Show. And what I like about this question is not only the variety of different answers, but also the variety of ways the question is interpreted. So how do time and money impact what you're going to share with us today? Well, how does time and money impact? Well, you know, if you're going to build a service, what we're talking about here today is building a service business that creates more clients than you can handle. Right. And the thing about that is that anybody who's in a service business realizes that they spend a tremendous amount of time marketing. Like when you start a service business, let's just use coaching as an example, which is my sure. specialty. People look at it and say, oh, you make $300 an hour. You make $450 an hour. And they think, oh, that's a lot of money. And it is, right? It's an hourly rate. But if you spend half your time marketing, then you can cut that hourly rate in half. If you spend three quarters of your time marketing, you can cut it down to a quarter. And so your effective hourly rate is much lower than if you subtract expenses from it, your hourly rate's even lower. 
And so when you're in the service business, you have to develop in a very efficient process by which you market and you've got to develop it as a machine that brings clients to you. Otherwise, you're burning so much of your time doing it that you don't have time or money. Is, is that helpful? That is extremely helpful. And I love how you bring mathematics into it because this is an area where I'm trying to get more people to focus. And I myself am trying to focus more. And I know what it's like to have a service business and have more clients than I can handle. And without a plan or a recovery plan in some cases, it can be a very stressful, painful thing. So you get all the clients you can handle. Then you get more clients. And then there's that whole matter of, oh, crap, now what? You know what I'm talking about? Well, and there's, cha there's challenges in a service business um, because one of the principles of building wealth is leverage. And so the nature of a service business, at least for my business coaching, is that it was all about Todd. Um, I was not replicatable. And so I could not get any leverage on the service delivery side for me, at least as a coach. I can do it as in products, which is where I'm taking the business now. Right. Um, and so I had to seek leverage in other places. So I had to seek it on the marketing side. I have to seek it on the administration side. You know, I have to seek it on the business development side because that's the side where I can get the leverage on since the actual service delivery I can. Now, that's not true for every service delivery business. There's other service delivery businesses where they can leverage it. It's not as dependent upon them. But mine has such specialized knowledge and through the content market, which I'll teach about here, um, they really come to want me. And uh, I tried leveraging through other coaches and it was always ineffective. Everybody wanted me. And that was sort of the, the box of the business. And so now it's put Todd in a box essentially and leveraged through products. But again, the principle is leverage. If you want more time or more money, you have to learn how to get more done with less resources, right? I.e. Yep. leverage. And so leverage can either allow you to make more money or it can allow you to recover your time, either one depending on what you're leveraging. I absolutely love that. And that is the service provider's dilemma. And I found this through three service businesses I've had so far is there's always this thing where it's great that I have a team and it's great that I have resources and leverage and everything else. But in the end, all they really want is Adam. They hired the person not the process is what it feels like sometimes. And uh, that is true with marketing. I mean, look, if like, for instance, if you work with Donald Trump, you're working with Donald Trump because you want to work with Donald Trump, but the odds that you're actually going to meet the guy are pretty infinitesimal because he's got so many businesses and so many different corporations and structures and everything else to deliver all this for him. Like you go to his golf course, he's probably not going to be the guy behind the counter. You go to buy one of his suits, he probably is not the guy with the measuring tape. I mean, that's just two examples of the many things that he's doing right now. So what I'd like to know from you well, is... You know, yeah. before you jump into that next question, you had a key distinction. I, want, I don't want to roll over it. You threw something in there that was like a golden gem, and I want to make sure it's really emphasized for everybody listening, which is the distinction between the person and the process. Okay. okay? So the process is leverageable. The person is not. And so that's the key distinction you want to create as you develop your business, and that's what I've done, right? So if you look at my coaching... My coaching is the coaching process I'm uh, packaging up as product is seven steps to seven figures. It's a seven step process. And so I'm packaging up the process and then I'll leverage Todd through office hours in a group format. Whereas if it's all about the person, Todd, well, Todd created the product. It's his process. Are you seeing where I'm going, Adam? There's oh, like, yes. Yes. Go ahead. Go, run with it then. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what I'd like to know is uh, first of all, 
uh, you know, let's take a little bit of a step back here. Is how did you build that marketing machine that overfilled your coaching practice? Four hundred and fifty dollars an hour is a rate that a lot of our a lot of our listeners would love to charge for coaching. Yeah, well, I mean, your marketing stands as a three-legged stool, right? Yep. And it, and it's only as strong as the weakest link. And so, what happens with marketing your service business? A lot of people just don't get all these pieces right because they start working with a lot of half truths. And so one of the first half-truths out there, and it is true and it's well-known, but you got to understand it's not the whole picture, which is traffic times conversion equals, pros- equals profit, right? Yes. So you, you have to have a, a way to create targeted traffic for your service, and then you also have to have a conversion process that works. And every time you improve traffic or improve conversion, you improve profit. That's simple enough, right? Yes. Okay, and then now let's throw another half-truth in there, which is, People buy from people they know, like, and trust, right? So how do you position yourself as the obvious expert who is likable and trustworthy? You know, how do you establish that clear authority for your niche? These are questions that everybody's listening wants to do if they're trying to build a service business. Yes. Okay? So these are questions that aren't answered by these half-truths. There's there's other questions that aren't answered by these half-truths because there's, there's something missing, and that missing ingredient, the thing that's not in these formulas, and it took me years to see this, and it's totally obvious once I'll share it with you, right? But it's not obvious at first, is that they're all about what you do, right? Yep. But who's doing all the buying? Your customer is doing all the buying. Right. It's not you focus. This process is not about you. Almost everything taught about marketing is taught about what you need to do. Right? Yes. And the key distinction is to get client focused. And that's the thing everybody wants to really etch in stone is you gotta really understand your target client and you've got to figure out how to solve their problems. Right, right. So this kind of leads to where I want to go now. Um and this is something that's very much of interest to me because I'm always looking for more intelligence in this area, is how do you build a client focused website that is designed to identify these ideal clients and convert them uh, through your buying process. Well, I mean, that's what I was just sharing with you, actually. Right. Okay. So you've got it. You've got to get. You've got to know your client well enough that you can target content to them. John Morrow is a famous marketer. He uh, was one of the copywriters over at Copy Blogger. Wrote some of their most successful posts. He taught me a thing called the Morrow opening, which is when you write content, you start so that when people are reading it, they're the thing that's going on in their head is, wow, that's a, you know, yes, yes, that sounds like me. You know, you're telling them their truth. So, for example, let's say you're running a pool cleaning business and you're talking about how busy they are and how they don't have time to clean the pool and yet they go outside and there's leaves on the top and you want, you've got guests coming over and you want to go swimming and there's leaves on the top and there's mold in it. What are you going to do? And so that busy guest, that ideal client for your pool business is sitting there going, yes, yes, that's me, that's me. And so you've got to get very client focused. You've got to know what their needs are and you've got to target the marketing exactly where they're at and you've got to attract them into your site with it. All right. So, so Todd, um, in the green room when we were having our conversation before we went live here, you are telling me about two valid approaches that you use for all this and how they work. Um, I think you call them the head-on approach and the indirect approach. Could you disambiguate that for us and share with us what that means and how that applies to this topic? 
Well, let's go with the head-on approach first. Let's start there. The head-on approach is traditional SEO marketing. So let's use my business as an example. We'll talk about financial coaching, which is what I do. Sure. Um, so you want to go in and you want to understand what are the keywords that people are looking for when they're looking for your service on the Internet. Okay, so in my case, it would be financial coach, money coach, money coaching, that kind of thing. You want to get those exact matches of what we call our money keywords. And then you want to look at what the traffic counts are for those keywords. And if they're enough, you, you want to apply a principle called the 1% rule. Okay? Right. So you take the traffic volumes, monthly traffic volumes for those keywords, and then you say, okay, if I could get somewhere on the front page, because the nice thing about a service business, particularly financial coaching, is it's a trust business. So you don't have to be number one. It's not like a calculator where people pop in, they use it, and then they leave immediately, and they only need one, and then they're done. Um, with coaching or other service businesses, they're looking to establish a relationship. So the, uh, a client will typically go through page one, sometimes two pages. So you just have to be somewhere in the running. And so then you apply the 1% rule. And you say, take 1% of the search volume. So let's say I have 25,000 people a month searching for the various financial coach, money coach terms. Okay? Mm -hmm. And then you say 1% of that would be 250. Okay. Yep. All right. And then you take 1% of that that might convert to clients that come in. You're being very conservative here. 25. Uh, well, oh, actually, actually that's 2.5. 2.5. Yeah, sorry. Right. Then you look at your lifetime client relationship, the lifetime value of your client, client relationship. So let's say I retain, let's say I can have at most 15 clients. And let's say my average client lifespan is one year. I'm just making these numbers up. My client lifespan is longer than that. Right. So then you look at it and you say, okay, two and a half clients a month, 12 months out of a year. So there's 30 clients in a year. I can accept a maximum of 15. This is a viable business model. I just have to rank somewhere on that page and have a reasonable conversion process so the 1% rule can apply. And so that's what I call the head-on approach. And so then what you do is you build a content marketing strategy to rank for those keywords. And you can use my example on my site where it's the financial coaching section. You can find it right across the main header. And you can see how I built a major resource section for financial coaching. And you, if you look at the titles of the articles and everything like that, you'll see it targets money coach, money coaching, financial coach, financial coaching. And you'll see I'm on page one for those terms in Google. Right. And it's all in that one section of the site. And so people can go through and use that as an example. Look through the articles, and I just built a massive resource section. That's what Google wants to rank. They want to rank valuable resources, and that's one of the best resources for that topic on the Internet. Wow. And so that's what I call the head-on approach. You literally build a valuable resource that helps your target market. You build a valid conversion process. Client, your listeners can go right through the conversion process. I'm not accepting clients anymore, but they can go look right on there and see how I've got my conversion process structured. And it was highly effective. Um, I, at the point where I shut things down, because again, I'm not pitching anybody anything because I'm not accepting any clients right now, um, I was getting about four to five clients a week, a week. And the close rate for the strategy sessions was about 70 or 80% because of the conversion process you see on the site. And so that alone, if you just get that process down, it's enough to fill a service business with more clients than you can handle. 
Wow, that is fantastic. And I'm on the website right now and I'm looking at the resource section. I got to tell you, this is one very built out resource section. And I love also how under the header for resources, you kind of walk people through how to navigate that entire section. That is fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, especially the link that says new visitors start here. I think that's solid gold right there. Thank you. Yeah, that's a newer piece I put in there. Um, just, you know, I'm constantly learning and developing. And so added the new new visitors start here. And the coaching section is designed to convert co coaching clients. And the new visitors start here is to take people through a process to help them filter where they want to go within the site. I love it. I love it. So just to make sure I didn't miss anything here, because you were giving us so much information so quickly, which we greatly appreciate, uh, that was the direct approach. Uh, have we covered the indirect approach as well? We have not. We have okay. not. So let me go through a couple examples of the indirect approach. One that a lot of your listeners may be familiar with is Pat Flynn over at Smart Passive Income. I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. He's got a really successful indirect approach. So Pat is in the, I'll give you two examples from the indirect approach. I've got another friend, uh, Jamie Tardy over at eventualmillionaire.com. I know who she is as well. Great. So I'll illustrate both those examples. So Pat, his business model, uh, at least as it stands now, was affiliate marketing in the internet marketing space. And so Pat doesn't go out and pitch the products that, that he has affiliate relationships with. Instead, what he does is he provides really high-value content on all subjects related for, that are relevant for people that do internet marketing. And then what happens is the product becomes the natural back-end or solution to the problems that pr are presented when you're learning about internet marketing. So for example, you want to get your website up. And so he has a whole tutorial guide about how to set up a WordPress site. And it happens to work with Bluehost. And then, of course, he's got an affiliate link on how to get your Bluehost account open. Of course. Right? And so he makes a small fortune off that. I um, can imagine. Yeah, because that video series is ranked really well. Uh, another great example of an indirect approach is copyblogger.com. Okay? Copyblogger.com sells all kinds of solutions for um, content marketers. So they have premise software. They have hosting they have um, educational programs, teaching cells, on and on and on. Um, so in Genesis Software, which are the themes, the Genesis yep. themes, they didn't get, they didn't start in that business. Brian Clark, when he started that business, was just about teaching content marketing. Okay, so notice the pattern here. Pat's teaching about internet marketing. He has a back end of affiliate products. Uh, Brian Clark over at Copyblogger, he was teaching content marketing and his back end then became the software solutions that people needed. So see how it's indirect. That's the indirect approach. Uh -huh. Jamie Tardy on the service side is an example of a service business. So I gave you an affiliate marketing example. I gave you a um, software as a solution example. And so as a service business, Jamie was an executive coach. She's not doing it anymore, but she was an executive coach. And so she had the Eventual Millionaire podcast. Now, in that podcast, she never marketed her executive coaching, but it filled her practice. And the whole idea behind it was she was interviewing millionaire entrepreneurs, and they were all sharing their success story. Well, who's that going to attract? It's going to attract young, budding entrepreneurs. Of course. And so that was her target market. So what she was doing is she was giving valuable content and resources for her target market they in turn were hiring her as the executive coach and she was positioning her expertise by affiliating, by affiliating or connecting herself through the interview process with other experts.
Wow, that is fantastic. And, you know, that leads me to um, that. what I'd like to say to our listeners, uh, because that really kind of struck a chord with me. Uh, years and years ago, I think it was actually about four years at this point, I filmed a video on how to customize the top half of the order form on the one shopping cart platform to uh-huh. make it look like your website. And one of my business coaches at the time said, they said, Adam, what the hell are you doing filming this for? Because uh, this is not what you're looking to do. You're not looking to attract this type of tech work. So why would you even put out there this vibe that's going to attract people? They're going to ask you for help setting up shopping carts. And you know the funny thing is, of all the videos I've ever created within my Business Creators Institute or posted on my blog, that one has got the most views, the most shares, and has brought me the most coaching and consulting clients. Because that is something that a lot of people want to know how to do. So once we give them the resource, and here's how you customize the top HTML of your one shopping cart order form, and there are hundreds of thousands of one shopping cart users, so there's certainly a market for that piece of information, then the conversation becomes great. That was really awesome. So what else do you do? And then it goes from there, and next thing you know, I have a new coaching client. I have a new consulting client. I'm uh, heading up a new product launch. It's just amazing how that works. So I wanted to pull that out for just a moment, and really hammer down the power of the indirect approach because even though that may not be necessarily targeting directly exactly what you're looking for in all cases, it can get you in front of the people who do need what you offer. Yeah, I'll give another. Yeah, I'm fully agreeing with you. There's all kinds of indirect approaches when you start getting creative. And I actually just stumbled into some of them. I didn't even realize like if you go on my site, there's a massive calculator resource section. Yep, Um, I see it. Yeah, it's one of the largest on the internet. And I, I fumbled in that same way you're talking about. I built a uh, retirement calculator because I didn't like any of the ones that were on the internet and I needed it for working with my coaching clients. Yep. Pretty soon that thing started ranking near the top in Google and I was getting all this <laughs> traffic and I was like, what's going on? Well, it's because it's a cool calculator, right? Right. And, and, but then I started the most amazing thing. I started getting clients from it. And what I re- came to realize was that the type of client who will hire a wealth coach to help them build wealth is somebody who's somewhat do-it-yourself. They want to go in. They want to work with the numbers. And so they were using my calculator. So I had indirectly attracted my target client by offering a resource that they would value and want to use. And I just stumbled into it. And similar with my book, um, all my clients were wanting to know how much money do I need to retire. It's a natural question in the process of what I do. And none of the books out there were doing it properly, right? And so I never wrote the book as a marketing tool. I wrote it because I was spending so much coaching time teaching the same thing over and over and over again about how it really works for figuring out how much money you need to retire. Because again, most of the stuff out there isn't, isn't right. That I just said, oh gosh, I just need to write a book so I can give it to my clients. Well, then what happened was when Amazon came along and I started marking the book on Amazon, it took off on Amazon then all of a sudden, the whole role reversal occurred, and people who were buying the book were finding me through the book and then hiring me as a coach based on that. Yeah, that, that's great. That's great. And that's something else I want to point out to people as well. And this is something that I think a lot of our listeners know, but I never miss an opportunity to drive home this point. Uh, some folks go into the idea of, well, I'm going to write a book because they have a dream of becoming a million-dollar Amazon bestseller. And there's a technique where you can become an Amazon bestseller and sell far less than a million books. And you can do it with 2,000 people on your list, no problem. I can tell you that right now. But when you look at what a book really does for you is it puts you in front of the audiences who need 
what you offer. So particularly in your example, where a lot of your coaching clients, I mean, a coach, you know, if you're coaching somebody, that means you're not necessarily doing it for them as much as you're advising, guiding, and mentoring them on how to do it. So put up a calculator that gets their thought processes going. Of course, that's going to attract them. Write a book that gets them thinking. Of course, that's going to attract them. And I just love this whole indirect approach thing, and we could probably talk about it for hours and hours and hours, but I know you. Uh, there's a bunch more things you want to share with us, so I want to make sure that we have the opportunity to spotlight your brilliance here to its fullest degree. Now, <laughs> now, 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 now you, one, go ahead. Let's do one more here, because I'm with you. I think I think the, the indirect approach is probably the most powerful, and yet it's not the most intuitive for most people. You know, I started my practice and built it off the direct approach, right, because that Again, engineering mentality, right? It just I right. hit the head-on approach, and that's what seemed obvious to me. The indirect approach is the one that's most powerful because it comes in underneath people's um, guard. In other words, people are guarded to be sold, right? Because we're all used to being sold, and we've got our pitch guard up, and it protects us from all the pitches that hit us all day long. Whereas the indirect approach slides in because you're giving value, and it's also a lot more fun to do. You know, yeah. it's really fun to give value to your target market and genuinely help people. And then through that, it's naturally marketing. And so I just want to hit one more point in here because we're illustrating it right this moment, which is your podcast, right? Your podcast is a huge relationship builder with your target market. It's way more intimate than other forms of content marketing that are more sterilized, if you will, like a blog post. You know, I'd used examples of blog posts before or video tutorials. They're not as personal. With a podcast, we've got a conversation. People are listening in on us. They're fly on the wall. And there's a relationship built. They get to know you and they get to experience your expertise right up front as you were just talking about. And so um, it's just, it goes back to the idea of no like and trust factor. And so the podcast is a massive trust builder, a massive relationship builder that a lot of people don't understand. I'd like to point out something else with respect to podcasts, because when we were planning to launch the Business Creators Radio Show back in 2013, I drew up a scratch list of who I wanted some of the first guests to be, so we get some invites out there and get some episodes booked right away. And I was working with a coach at the time whose approach is a little bit different than this. They're very much focused on the direct approach, and they work with clients who like the direct approach, and it works well for them. They have case studies from here to the end of my left arm. I mean, they have a fantastically successful business, and I don't knock that. But I was bringing in, in addition to topics about website conversions and product launches, uh, you know, we were talking about um, you know, all kinds of, you know, we, I threw in a couple self-improvement topics, I threw in some things about uh, social media advertising and things that aren't exactly website conversions or product launches. And they went through my list and they said, well, I, I remember one of the comments is, why the hell would you even consider having this person on them? What does their book have to do with this and I said uh, first of all it's not the website conversions radio show it's the business creators radio show and second although I didn't understand at the time because you enlightened me this the term indirect approach that's what I was going after I knew that a lot of the people who followed this person would have an interest or potentially have an interest in what I ultimately have to offer. Plus, I was really excited about their topic and thought business creators could learn from it. So I made absolutely sure that uh, to invite every single one of those people onto my show, and we had every single one of them, and all the episodes were a smash success. It's also kind of funny about podcasts because guests of ours have ended up with clients because they appeared on my show, and I have gotten clients because I interviewed somebody, and it wasn't about even one of the core competencies of my business, but they liked the interview so much they just had to speak with me. 
Yeah, yeah. I think the indirect approach is something we learn to value. Like we start with the direct approach because it's obvious and we think that's what marketing is and we, we have our sales hat on. And as we get more sophisticated, we start to see that the indirect approach is how you play the game intelligently. At least that's my experience. Yeah, well, indirect means it also... I'm not sure if I want to use the word esoteric, but there is the type of thing where you have to look at this and you have to think indirectly. You have to think outside the box. You have to zig while everybody else is zagging. And there's not always a step-by-step -step on how to do that because very few things that are indirect have a step-by-step -step process map. Well, and there's a, there's a subtlety to it. Yes. That is, you know, people listen to the show not because of what you want out of it. They listen to the show. This goes back to what I said earlier about getting really client-focused. They, they listen to it because of what's in it for them. And they can tell. People are smart. Um, most people, anyway. I, I've kind of a 95% rule that, you know, being a book publisher, you learn that there's actually about 5% of the world is real idiots, right? <laughs> when you, once you get into being exposed for reviews right. know, autonomously on Amazon, you realize, eh, about 5% of the world's idiots. But about 95% yeah. are really good people, and they're really smart. And they can smell a fraud a mile away. And if you're not genuinely trying to give value, if that's not your genuine focus, they'll smell it and you're not going to pull it off. And so the neat thing about the indirect approach is it gets you focused in the right place, which is giving value. You want to figure out how you can give value to your target clients. And, and if you do that successfully, you will have more clients than you can handle. Just focus on that one thing is helping people and genuinely delivering value, solving their problems. And sometimes there's a little bit of a, a happy accident to it, too. Going back again to, and again, you're making me think about these things differently and see a larger picture, which I think is part of your huge value as a coach and mentor yourself. I look at that video on how to customize the order form on one shopping cart, and you know, I still get these random inquiries, uh, people asking, uh, asking, you know, where is that video? Or I heard about this video. Or, hey, I checked out this video. It was extremely helpful. It answered a question for us. Now I was wondering if you do and every single time I get one of these I go back to the person who told me who asked what kind of drugs I was taking because I thought it was a good idea to put that video out and I say up oh, another one yep <laughs> and I'm I just love and I just love doing it and by now and by now they just say okay touche we get it <laughs> yeah yeah and so it's just this question constantly in the back of my head of how else can I solve problems for my clients how else can I deliver more value you know, so even like me productizing, yeah, it's smart business move on my part, right? My my business grew to a point I couldn't even serve all the clients, right? Good right. Problem, good problem to have. You know, I'm not trying to gloat or anything, but the, the stuff we're teaching here works, right? And so then the next thing, go, productizing it is about delivering more value, right? Because my coaching's expensive. Um, if you work one-on-one -on -one with me, it's expensive. Whereas if I can productize my knowledge, and get it to where I can deliver, you know, 80, 90% of the experience of what it is to work with me personally in product form with office hours and that type of thing um, and put it at a price point that makes sense for people, that's, that's going to be such a way to give more value. Not only can I serve more people, but I'm doing it at a much lower price point so it's a better value. Right, absolutely. Now we're just about a, about the halfway mark here, and for those who are just tuning in or who tuned in late, I just want to say you're on the Business Creators Radio Show, and we are interviewing Todd Treseder of FinancialMentor.com. And if you've just tuned in, you definitely want to go to iTunes and download this episode because he has just given us solid gold on the 
head-on approach and the indirect approach to marketing and how both of these can be so valuable. And we've just spent the past 15, 20 minutes talking about the indirect approach and just how amazing that is and how much more fun it can make your marketing. Now, there's something you mentioned to me about 10, 15 minutes ago that uh, I wanted to make sure we had a chance to address this properly. But I want to go back to it because I, this is a question that I get a lot from my own clients and from people in masterminds I participate in is, you told me that you have an average lifetime value of a coaching member that goes way over a year. Yeah. You know how many people I work with wish they could get a year out of a coaching member? Yeah. You yeah. got to tell us a little bit about this. How do you do this? Well, you know, it's actually really synonymous with everything we've talked about so far, which is being clear on what value you provide. And then I would select coaching clients based on whether or not I could add more value than I cost. Right. So this goes into the conversion process, which we'll probably touch a little more on later. But in my conversion process, um, I would do a strategy session. It would be free. You know, and in the opening of the strategy session, I would it would be a real coaching session. I'd say, "Well, how can I help you?" And it would throw people off. They'd be like, "You know, because they're expecting a pitch, right?" You know, like yes. I'm a marketer, and we called it a strategy session. And so now here comes the pitch, right? Uh huh. And I'd open, "How can I help you?" You know, and, and well, I didn't know how this worked. Well, it's a real coaching session. I want to help you solve a problem. You know, and that way you experience coaching directly, and you can see what it is. And so they start sharing a little about themselves, and then. You know, I would go through and I'd work with them on it. And we, you know, I'd done it long enough. I got pretty good at it and I could filter through and pretty much understand their situation and their goals within about 10, 15 minutes. Sure. And then genuinely help them with some ideas or whatever. And then by that, I know their situation. I know what value streams I can deliver. And I know if I can deliver more value than I will cost when you figure in my hourly rate over a period of a few years. And I know what, you know, what are the issues we're going to work on. So then I go through and I paint a picture of what we're going to do together, right? And that's the vision that the client can buy off on. So you'd paint a picture of like, okay, we need first to develop a wealth plan, right? You need a wealth plan and that'll, right. that'll set the benchmark what we'll do. And then within that wealth plan, I can see three different paths we'll go down together and we'll take them in this order. And so I paint the picture of all the different pieces we do and how we do it. And so the idea with that is that the reason clients leave you is because they're not getting more value than they're paying for, right? Right. If, if they're getting more value than they're paying for, they're just going to stay with you and stay with you and stay with you. I've got a client that's been with me over 10 years. I've got several clients who have been with me over five years. And the reason they do that is because their growth, they can see, like I'll give you one the example of the client who's been with me over 10 years. Her accountant took her to task with, what's all this money you're paying this guy over here? I keep seeing this every year. And that was within a hair's breadth of before he said, your growth in your business and your wealth has been phenomenal over the last five years. And then in the next statement, he says, Who, what's, what's all this money you're paying to this guy here? Do you see the connection? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I see it. And I see, I knew where you were going. And this is something that so many people miss. Yeah, yeah. So it's about understanding the value you deliver, selecting clients where they're the proper match for the service you deliver so that they get great value from what you do. Like I don't take get out of debt clients anymore. Why? Because I add insult to injury. My fees are too high. All I'm going to do is hurt what's already a pain there, right? What they need is something different. And to get out of debt, they need a whole different service, a whole different approach. And it's a disservice for me to, to try to sell them coaching services. It's just too expensive. It's not right. Right. You know, and there's there's other types of client profiles that fit me perfect. I don't have to do that. And so 
re client retention is about giving value. It's the same thing as attracting clients. It's about giving value. Right. I'd like to point something else. I'm here on your website, financialmentor.com, and for even for those clients that you cannot serve, the get-out-of-debt clients, I'm in your calculator section. And folks who have debt issues most likely have credit card issues. So here we see we have the credit card comparison calculator, the debt snowball calculator, the credit card payoff calculator, the debt payoff calculator. So even though you cannot serve these people through coaching right now, you're still giving them resources. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's actually part of my conversion process. And again, this stuff has to be genuine, right? Like you can't go fake this stuff. You have to genuinely be about giving value and you have to genuinely deliver those values. So if you look right in my conversion process in the coaching section, if somebody wants to go through it, they'll see that there's a article that I ask everybody to read before they request a strategy session. And in that article, it explains whether or not you're an ideal client for my services. And so when people read that article, they can see who is the person, and it says right up front, I'm about giving more value than I take. And so I've learned that there's certain types of people that the coaching process is a no-brainer solution because it does deliver more value than it costs. And there's other clients where, or other client situations where that's not true. And for all those people, I provide other things. I have free calculators, as you just referred to. Yep. I have free resources, free articles. So like get out of debt. I wrote an article on there called The Complete Guide to Getting Out of Debt or something like that. It's like the ultimate guide to getting out of debt or everything you need to know. And that came as a four or five part article series. It's like 6,000 words. It's basically an ebook that I give away right on the site. And it's a complete guide about all the issues of getting out of debt and the structure and it gives resources and all that right in the article for free. And because you shouldn't pay me for that. That's, that's something that you can learn and do on your own. And so it says right in this conversion article about where clients are figuring out if they're the right client or not, who gets more value or not. And if you're not, then here are the resources you want to go to. Here's the things you want to do. So it's totally genuine. It's like it's a filtering process. And it says right in there that coaching done right is not a, you know, this whole process I'm taking them through is not a sales process. It's a filtering process. And I explain that right in the article that I'm filtering them to make sure that they're the right client and that this is a great deal for them. So when they come to me in the strategy session, they're pre-sold. I mean, they've already qualified themselves. They're pre-sold. That's why the conversion rate is so high and that's why the retention rate is high. I got to tell you, I love all of our guests on the Business Creators Radio Show, but you are a special kind of guest that I particularly love for two reasons. Um, number one, you answer questions I haven't asked yet. <laughs> because sorry. because I, because I'm I was sorry about that. no no not not all because I was just getting ready to ask about how to systematize your conversion process to handle all the leads efficiently. But in answering a previous question, you covered all that and you gave a roadmap such as one will very rarely find in a format such as this. And just looking at your website, I mean, as you're describing this, because while you're talking, I'm on your website navigating where you tell me to go and looking at the things as you're describing them. I mean, this is just an outstanding resource for somebody who has any interest in financial mentorship because I was about to ask the question of you know how do you pre-qualify people before you get them on the strategy sessions to increase your conversions but you kind of answered that in such a way where you basically help them convert themselves yeah yeah and that's that that is it you, again you don't want to sell them because that's that's just painful and it's not fun 
you know, you want to help them. And so you want to qualify and just get the right people that you can really help. Let, let me elaborate on another piece in here that connects direct and indirect approach with the conversion process for a second. Um, so we'll just take this a cut deeper if that's okay. That's great. Okay, so one of the things in the conversion strategy is you have to understand your client buying process. Uh, and you have to intercept them in that buying process. And that's where that indirect approach comes in. And then the conversion process is where the direct approach is. So let me give an example with, um, with my own clients as an example. Okay, So when people want a money coach or a financial coach, they come into me through a variety of ways. They might come into me through the book or the calculator or whatever. And part of my strategy session is I ask people, one, how did they find me? And the other, one of the other questions I ask, and I think everybody should be doing this, is what did you do before the strategy session? Tell me everything you did with my site and interacting and whatever. And it was fascinating to learn what people did. And so I tailored the site over time to match their conversion process. And so what I learned about coaching, and that's what I was alluding to earlier, is that it's a trust relationship. Right? It's a pretty intimate thing to go in with a financial coach. You're revealing all your financial stuff. You're working with deep personal issues. You don't want to just work with anybody, right? I mean, you got to find the right person. And that's what I was saying before where people won't just take the number one listing. They'll go through you know, one or two pages and then do some due diligence on people. And so in my question, I started finding out they come in to me through a variety of methods, i.e. the indirect approach, right? They would get attracted in through the indirect approach, but their conversion process was relatively consistent, which is they would spend hours on my site. They would read my articles. They would work with the tools. They would sign up for the newsletter and they'd see what the experience was. They would go through the conversion process that I was just describing and read the article. And they would get a general sense, do I want to work with that guy or not? Right? It's not like it was never an impulse decision at all. Like it was something that they would spend hours working on, literally hours. I was surprised how much content. And I would know how much content they generally read because it would come up in the conversation. And it was a lot. And so that explained that I needed to have an authoritative site. I needed to have a variety of resources for them to use. I had to have all kinds of different indirect approach ways of them coming into my funnel. Are you seeing the indirect approach expands the funnel? The conversion is the conversion process is what converts them. And if you look, you'll see that's part of the direct approach. That was the first piece I built. The direct approach had the conversion process in it. Does that make any sense? So the key element in here is you've got to understand where your target client is hanging out and then you've got to intercept them in there with some value piece that attracts them within your web, if you will. And then you've got to have a conversion process in that web that works for how their buying process works. And it's different for every product and service. And so you have to, as you get clients, constantly analyze and ask them, what are they doing? How did they find you? And what did they do before they hired you? So you can see what their conversion process is. Did that make sense, Adam? That makes a lot of sense. And I mean, you've, you're basically you're giving us like a uh, content marketing 501 lesson here pretty much. Because uh, everybody talks about content marketing, content marketing, content marketing. I've got to write blog posts. I've got to do podcasts and all that. And yes, we do need to do blog posts and podcasts and everything else. But what you're really outlining here is how to use that content on your website to help people with this process. I mean, I, 
Bingo. I'm just I'm just thinking, wow, you mean people could be spending hours and hours and hours on a website before even reaching out? I mean, I teach this because I tell people to be persistently consistent with their website conversion conversation because your ideal client may need you. They just may not need you right now or know that they need you right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've had people hire me after being in my in on my list for years. And then it's funny how that works. Yeah, and they'll finally just, you know, click. Or like when I came out with the podcast, suddenly people came out of the woodwork because my writing is considered somewhat analytical. I am a financial geek at heart, right? I came up to the financial side. And so I'm known for putting out really long, detailed, analytical how-to posts. Um, I didn't, you know, come... I've never believed and never liked the 500-word soundbite posts that, you know, most bloggers believe they should be producing. So a lot of my posts are almost ebook size. They're really like how-to tutorials and really detailed stuff. And I do that because that's what I like and that's what my target client will like. Most uh, importantly, what your target what your target client will like and you're meeting that. And you know, I, you know that's, that's a very good point because I was uh, a guest blogger on this one site once and they, and they kept uh, editing my post saying that uh, it wasn't following certain format things like uh, you're using too much underlying or we need another 50 words. I'm thinking, okay. Okay, I mean, I mean did, you miss the, did you miss the value I just handed them in 300 words? Or... If I took 1,200 words, uh, does that mean that it like actually lost value because I gave extra value? Yeah. What I'm hoping, what I'm hoping your listeners are getting from this conversation is that, yeah, I, I think you said it really well. People run around and they preach content marketing, content marketing, put out the blog post, put out the blog post, do this, do that, right? And again, that's what you're supposed to do. They're not taking it and connecting it back to the client buying process. I said that earlier in the beginning of the interview that you got to etch that in stone. You got to always think from the client perspective about delivering value to the client. And so what I'm doing hopefully in this interview is I'm connecting the dots for people. I'm helping people see that this is a machine you're building and that all these gears have to link together and they have to work smoothly together. You don't want to just think about like as an example, I just recently went through a major site audit on my site. And I deleted a third of my content. I mean, a third of my content. That would be considered unheard of for most content marketers, right? Yeah. Consider it all entry points. But what it did, I realized, is it, it was out of date. It was not relevant. It was not my best stuff. And it was diluting my brand. I had plenty without it. It was actually diluting my brand. And wow. so by doing that, I actually improved the focus of the content that remains and it's, it's that much better for it. The site is that much stronger for it because everything is beefier as a result. So people aren't wasting their time clicking through clutter. That's right. another example, you know. And that flies in the face of traditional content marketing where you're supposed to have all this stuff up and it's, you know, the more the merrier. And I don't believe that. You know, if you're marketing a service business, you, ha you have to be focused and you have to be clear how all these gears fit together, how the puzzle pieces fit together so the client has an experience that results in a conversion You've got to think about the client experience and how they convert. I want to point out one thing, and only because this has been said to me so many times, and it's been a conversation I've had to have with people over and over and over and over again, where you mentioned that you just delete a third of your content because it just 
didn't fit the brand. It didn't fit the conversion process. It didn't fit the flow. It wasn't attracting in the right way. Well, when we uh, when we launched Help My Website Sell 4.0 last year, which uh, we're actually in July, we're going to be doing Help My Website Sell 4.11. Uh, we had a little situation. Uh, the previous Help My Website Sell.com had about 500 blog posts on it, and for some reason, the XML file, which is the file where you export stuff was incompatible with the theme we were using and we could not get the darn things to import and uh and my web assistant asked me what do you want me to do do you want to do you have a budget to have these all manually entered and i said eh, no put them up on this you know give me the xml file we'll use it as a swipe file sometime we'll just start over and uh the reason <laughs> i came to that decision was i recognized that the business was taking a new direction and a lot of those posts probably were either out of date or so far back in the archive that you know if you've heard the expression sometimes things are so old they become new again yeah so we're in the process of going through that because I took that I took that export file and I put it up on a hidden like dummy site using a default WordPress theme and I'm going through those right now picking out things for swipe files looking for things we can update finding the case studies and finding ways we can update some of the messaging to reflect where the business is going now so in about a month or so when we do uh, 4.1.1 a lot of that stuff's going to come back but in the immediate I decided that you know it's just easier to let it go yeah well here's here's a punchline to this when I deleted a third of my content my web traffic tripled wow yeah yeah because again I only kept my best stuff I don't know how that occurred or why because nobody knows the mysteries of Google right right but I know it's not a coincidence because I have a coaching client um with another well-established website, and she had um, just posts strewn everywhere and whatever. And we went through a content audit similar to what I did with my own site. She deleted probably half her content, and she's doubled the traffic and growing rapidly. She's only about a month into the new site, and her traffic's already doubled. Wow. That yeah. is something. Yeah, what she did was she took all – she had a whole bunch of soundbite posts that were similar in topic, but they'd say slightly different things and had an editor go in and combine them and pull the best and just make larger, more comprehensive posts on each topic and just kept the best stuff and then, you know, redirected everything into the, the new post, dumped all the old little soundbite posts, and within a month her traffic's doubled and it's still growing rapidly. We don't know what the end result will be because she's still going through the entire content audit process. Right now she's doing all the proper interlinking of the content and everything. So right. it'll be it'll be something bigger than double. We know that. We just don't right. know what it'll be. Oh, pre precisely. And yeah, you make another point too. And uh, another reason I've seen people see, be so afraid to delete content is well, well, what if somebody clicks on that that link from like five years ago and they go to a page not found? Or, or isn't Google going to penalize you for all these broken sites? If you read Google's documentation on how to deal with broken links, they give you several different options on how to deal with it. And if you're looking for the fast and furious way, install plugin on your WordPress site that directs all broken traffic links to your front page or another strategy is to direct all broken links to a landing page yeah or another one is you can actually do the redirects and put them at the server level yeah uh, it's a little bit more cumbersome but it's a more sophisticated uh, permanent solution I uh, the only reason I would take challenge on the plugin I great I get that it's a quick solution right but you want to be careful with the plugin load on your sites that's true and, and so my policy generally is anything that could be done outside of a plugin I will do to try to minimize the plugin load on my site yeah uh, 
And so redirects is something that are actually, if you're working with a reputable hosting company, they will do them at the hosting level. They'll build a file for you so that it's the quickest, most efficient redirect process for the visitor. It's, it's basically instantaneous. They don't even see it. Oh, I agree with that wholeheartedly. In fact, uh, in my Business Creators Institute, I have a video on, uh, you're just going to love this one, Todd, a, pl <laughs> a plugin to analyze your plugins. And the reason we suggest people use this plugin at least once in a while is to run some tests on your WordPress site and find out what percentage of the load time is being driven by your plugins. Yep. And it is amazing what you're going to find, this super duper amazing Wowzer plugin that such and such and so and so told you absolutely had to have could be could be tripling the time of your page load and not getting you anything in terms of your marketing in yeah. which case it's time to drop it yep yep i'm in 100% agreement with you right now i also tell people don't leave that plug in there forever deactivate it when you're not using it because otherwise that plug in runs every time you, you load a page it's one of life's little ironies but yeah every so often check in with your plugins uh, i had another case once where um you know a friend of mine uh, went to a conference he met so and so uh who had this super amazing seo plugin and he put it on his wordpress sites and they increased his load times by about 1700% Wow. And he asked me for my help with it. So I did some search on it, and I found that the only documentation available on this plugin were all these blog posts posted by affiliates to say, don't buy so-and-so's plugin, which turned into an affiliate review, but nothing about why it takes increases the load speed by 1,700%. So I told my friend, uh, either have your buddy who owns the plugin fix this for you or delete the plugin. Uh, even if he is your buddy, you can't afford a 1,700% page load increase. No, no. I, my site's gone from roughly 40 plugins down to about 20 on the next version coming out about a month from our recording date here. I've got a new version coming out. And I'll be down to about 20 plugins at that point because I'm hard coding a lot of the functionality into the theme. Right. Absolutely. I, I can't imagine how you can make your site any better, but uh, you've amazed me so far, so I can't <laughs> wait to see it. Well, and we are right near the top of the hour here, and I always like to give my guests at least a minute or so just to share with uh, the audience how they can help and provide a resource. So first of all, Todd Tresseter of FinancialMentor.com. Thank you so much for your time on the Business Creators Radio Show, and let me just uh, turn it over to you for one moment. Uh, do you have something for our listeners, uh, something that you could help them get started right away? Well, the site is FinancialMentor.com, as you shared, yep. and everything I have starts from there. So I have a podcast, and they can listen to that. And we talked about that here. Pretty much we've talked about all the resources. The, probably, when the, the only thing we didn't mention is new subscribers get an um, autoresponder education series called 52 Weeks to Financial Freedom, and they also get an ebook from me. Um, and it's all about it's 18 essential lessons from a self-made millionaire. It's the stuff I learned along the journey. So anyway, there's just some bonus gifts, build relationship, uh, just walking the talk with what I shared here today. So Absolutely. That's all, all financialmentor.com. Absolutely. And again, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. This has been an honor and certainly an education. Hey, thanks for having me. It was great talking with you. You bet. You bet. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.